Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Space Game Junkie Podcast. I, as always, am your co-host, Brian, and joining me, as always, is your co-host, Jim. Witty thing, because I got nothing witty. Oh, you know, that's fine. Insert witty thing here. No, No, I'll think of something, and I'll come back and edit it in. (laughs) No pressure. No pressure. It's just the space reserved. (laughs) Your co-host, Hunter. Welcome to HomestarRunner.net. This is a podcast. Homestar Wanna. And uh, your co-host, Spaz. Brought to you by No Man's Sky and loads and loads of building. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> That's the flavor of the week. Uh, month. Brought to you by Spaz's unlimited dupe bug budget. <laughs> now, I've been, with this space I'm building, it's been totally legit. <laughs> and uh, Farming we, for everything. Friends, we have a guest this week. Uh... Joining us from Colorado. Where where in Colorado? I am in Louisville, Colorado, which is just outside of Boulder. Okay. Home. Bunch of hippies. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are talking to Scott Brown, currently the president of Wormbite, uh, which we will get to. But formerly, uh, were you the president at NetDevil? Yes. Yes, sir. So, formerly the pre- president of NetDevil, who... If you're listening to this podcast, you may know already, but if you don't, he's the guy that made uh, Jumpgate, which, if you're unaware, was a first-person flight sim MMO that uh, was released in 2001, originally by 3DO, and then it went to... Where did it go after 3DO? Was it Gazillionaire after 3DO? Uh, no, it just basically went back to us. For oh, okay. the we, we ran North America... And a group called Mighty Games yes. ran Europe. Right, I remember that. Yes. So at first there I were. I can two- tell all those stories as well. Well, if you I, want. I no, not at all. We <laughs> want to hear that. Uh, but yeah, so folks, Jumpgate was uh, kind of an elite slash privateer style first person flight sim, uh, where you were you were. It was a much smaller, like you, it was a much more. It was more like a, the privateer universe than like the elite universe. It was more of a more contained yet more fleshed out universe, you know? Yeah, it was fixed, not procedural. Yeah, exactly, which, uh, which is great. It was basically a, a game about the hatred of escargot and <laughs> shooting the space shrimp. There and were space shrimp. And it's true. Uh, we the love con, the conflux. We love the flux. We we love the flux around here. I I, I, see, I thought Brian was talking about cornflakes all the time. I no. was just like, man, I hate that. <laughs> I somehow through a friend got a plushy manta. So awesome. I don't know how. I some some friends like I have this. Do you want it? Absolutely, I want it. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, folks. Uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. I probably have. Jumpgate's one of my personal favorite games of all time. Definitely in my top five or six. It is definitely the game I've spent the most time with over its uh, 11 years, I think. It stopped in officially in 2012. Or that sounds right. Yeah. Uh, it's I, the only game where mining is any kind of fun. Oh, God. I love Thank the you. mining so much in that game. Let me. That's why I did the most, because it was just so, so active and fun. And, uh, and especially when you guys introduced pure mining, like... I spent so many hours pure mining, um, but uh, yeah, I must have. I probably have at least five to six thousand hours in the game over its ten, eleven years. That's awesome. Yeah, and uh, 
It was just so great. And so let's start at the beginning. What? When did you guys? Because it went into beta in '99, if I'm remember, if I'm remembering correctly, and it was in beta for about a year or so. Yeah, we um, we started writing it in like I had the idea in '95, kind of '96, and started. So I didn't know anything about game programming at all, <laughs> and there and there really wasn't like there wasn't the internet where you could just be like how do you do joysticks or whatever? Right. And so we kind of had to like figure it out on our own. And I started going to game developers conferences and just like absorbing everything I could possibly learn. Um, And it wasn't until probably 98 that it started to like look like a game. Um, The first engine it was written in was this thing called WinG, which was like Microsoft's idea before DirectX. Oh, I don't even remember that, to be perfectly honest. And then we started each version of DirectX. So we did, you know, we ported it probably through every single version of DirectX up to, we we went to DX8 right before it launched, I think. So like (laughs) constantly evolving it as more and more DirectXs came out and stuff got better and better. But yeah, it was a lot of learning and we didn't have any idea what we were doing. So <laughs> I asked it was I, is it all C sharp or I mean, not C sharp, C plus plus or what? Yeah, C plus plus and then the shaders were all assembly at the time. I oh wow, to, you guys I've, were hardcore. I have to give you props for one specific thing. I have a HOTUS that is three separate devices. And so not a lot of games support that. Um especially games of that era. They do not a lot of games do not support that. But yours does. I yeah, we, we wanted to support we wanted to support everything <laughs> was kind of our idea. Like whatever kind of joystick you had, we tried to try to make sure it worked. Yeah, I, I found that out by accident because I was I played Elite and then I found I was I uploaded Jumpgate again and I had everything plugged in and it, it saw my throttle. I'm like, what? <laughs> What's happening? So that was a lovely surprise. Yeah, well, we tried. I mean, <laughs> it was it was at the, eventually it just became like the Windows joystick support, and you just have you know a thousand different buttons you can map, and as long as your joystick had the same driver, it worked. It worked all right. Well, right, but what I'm, what I'm saying is like even like games like Free Space Two and whatnot, they only supported one device. So when I play that, yeah. I have to play with the one stick that has all the axes. But with your game. I could use the pedals and the throttle and the stick and everything. It's fabulous. Yeah, we had a guy that had like, you know, he had like the seat and pedals and he had like everything. And so he would just sort of like, we just, he would just sort of tell us like, hey, this works or these are showing up wrong. And then just in updates, we would try to catch him up and get his stuff working. And we kind of figured if he worked, then everybody would work. Yeah, I, I was just playing it uh, recent uh, earlier today, and with my multiple devices, it worked great. So yeah, awesome, amazing. Uh, so yep. basically, it went into beta, and you you didn't have a publisher when you went into beta, right? Yeah, so we, we were basically self funded. So um, I, we I had before this, I I had a I was like a very small owner of a uh, educational 
software company and um, called Digital Creators. And we sold that company. And so I sort of, I basically quit and started writing Jumpgate full time. And then um, what we did is we sold the rights to a company for uh, Germany only um, for $300,000. And then that was enough money for Steve and Peter to quit their jobs. And then the three of us just worked on the game for a couple of years that we sort of lived off that money to keep us running for a while while we got the game almost finished. And then they bought the full rights to Europe and then 3DO came on and didn't, didn't pay us anything up front, but they're like, Oh, we're going to do this big thing. And we love what you've built and we'll help get you in stores in the U S and then like promptly 3DO went out of business. (laughs) Yeah, that didn't work. That was such a shame. That was like their last game, I think. Was yeah. or one of their so, last games. So we never got a dime. Like any of the boxes sold in what? stores or any of that. We never saw any of that. Are money. you serious? Yeah. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, that's, that's just how it is. It's how it is, right? So yeah, we we only ever got, and then we got the subscription money, of course, from people. Um, once we took it back over, but we never got any of the box sales or anything like that. Oh, I'm sorry. I bought a bunch of, I had like four boxed copies. Yeah. So I'm sorry that you didn't get any of that. Yeah. You helped trip Hawkins, but you didn't help us. God damn it. I'm sorry. I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) That's, that's kind of awful. Uh, It's just the games industry. I've, as I've learned, it's brutal. It's great and it's brutal. (laughs) So yeah, that was kind of it. And then, they ran it in Europe for a while, and eventually when the users got low enough, they sort of turned it off, and we kind of took over the world and then ran that until um, we sold to uh, Zillion, and then they just didn't want the hassle anymore, and so they shut it down. And at the time, we were developing Evolution with uh, Codemasters out of Europe, um, similar deal where they had the European rights and we were going to do something in the U.S. And um, Gazillion ended up shutting that development down also. Oh, wait, cause so Gazillion shut down Evolution? They did. Ah. So what kind of game was... Well, uh, oh, so you mean Jumpgate Evolution. Yeah, so Jumpgate right. Evolution, Jumpgate yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Wait, I, I was so excited about that and I was... I was crushed when it was canceled. Like utterly I was too. Crushed. Oh my god. <laughs> we had some really cool stuff. Uh like really cool oh stuff. Oh my god. I still have but some since wallpaper. It never, since it never came out, right? Then it's kinda like you're at liberty to make it now and they don't own it because I wish. They, it never existed. Right. Well, so um Tryon owns the IP jump gate at this point. Mm-hmm. I should contact someone there. Gazillion was very Gazillion was very um, lawyery, (laughs) and so I just never I just never wanted to mess with it, right? Like it was it was just too risky. Um. So yeah, that's that's kind of the story of where it was and where it went. Was it just didn't just didn't work out, unfortunately. Which is a real shame because there was a like some of the video released of Evolution when it was in progress and. 
and whatnot just looked like miles above what Jumpgate was capable of. It was pretty, and it I mean, it was basically like we took the Jumpgate engine and we're just putting like new graphics and more story kind of on top of it. Like we had hundreds of ships made. Um, it was cool, and Codemasters was like they were very supportive. They helped build a lot of cool stuff. But when Gazillion shut it all down, they they didn't have a choice in the matter either. Um, yeah, I mean, I I, I don't want to say much else. It just it That's got fair. shut down, with them, oh. you know, uh, which was a really big bummer. Yeah, that was a huge bummer. I mean, because I mean, Jumpgate was for for years it was so unique, and it it came out at a time where there was like nothing else like it, like nothing else like it yeah so we got most of our ideas of how to approach problems sort of kind of reverse engineering warbirds i don't know if you guys played that game oh, yeah. at all oh my god that, yes, that was of course that was that was like we loved loved warbirds and so it was like you know here's its limitations and here's kind of how they address things and so that was kind of where we got our inspiration of how to approach stuff in our wow. games that's why like that's why when the game first started, there was you had only could do a four character player name. <laughs> oh gosh, really? <laughs> yeah, that's why. Like Steve was Remo, and and uh, Peter was Pizza, which was P I Z A. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and I was and I was Scorch was S C R H, I think something like that. <laughs> so like that was we only had four. Like again, a lot of that came from Warbirds, just like how those guys worked and stuff. I just figured. Uh... You know, 256k RAM. Every character counts. Yeah. Well, at the time, it was super limited. So yeah. Um, and you know, we were running on modems, right? Like, which is kind of hard to believe. But you know, we had a we had a hundred plus ships running on modems, which I'm still real proud of. That, like, yeah. So I we, mean, I was amazing at the time because not I. I only got DSL. Like, I think the, the second year Jumpgate was out, I was on a 56k until then, and it mm-hmm. ran really well. For being over a modem. By the way, Ambrosia says hi. Hello. So we had, um, I mean, if you want to know some funny stories about, so like the city of Louisville didn't have any connectivity at all. So it was modem or nothing. And so we were looking for offices and we found an office in a building that used to be an ISP. So they had at least (laughs) T1 lines in the building. And so we could use that. So we, for work, we had a T1. Um, and what, then what state was this in Colorado. And so, and, but before that, because we couldn't run our servers off of that, we had these servers that I had like duct tape bits and pieces together at one of my friend Ryan's who eventually, who later joined net devil, uh, Ryan Seabury. And he was in Boulder, which had better connectivity. And so our stuff was, in his college apartment, like we had a board literally balancing servers over like a sink (laughs) (laughs) and those were connected to his DSL line. So the original jump gate servers were like literally these boxes in his apartment squished into a sink somewhere. We ran on those for a long time. (laughs) It's like, it's got everything. It's got the kitchen sink. Yeah. Literally we were sitting on the kitchen sink. That's amazing. So, so I yeah, have to on ha- DSL. So I have to ask you about the flight engine because yeah. a lot of new players 
did have some issues with it. It's a space game that has drag. Why is that? Why does it have drag? Well, so at first we tried completely dragless, but it was just too hard for people. Okay. Like I think I think if you played um what was the elite that was totally dragless? Frontier? Yeah. And yeah, and that's fair. And it was just it was too hard. And so we came up with this idea that like it wasn't really drag, it was like thrusters that were trying to help you fly the way you were pointed, not the way you were you know, sliding that was slowing you down uh, and so that was kind of the concept was that like you, it was kind of like a flight assist um and even that was too hard for many people but a lot of people loved it um and so yeah it took a ton of iteration um yeah we because- want i mean again this was coming from like a flight simulator where right, we wanted that like we wanted that like you know you're you're rewarded for your time spent learning the engine and so that's that was the concept of it was like right. you wanted a flight engine where like you know if you were great at the flight engine it was it was something that took time and it paid off like to be a great pilot and then the guys who could fly the toes that were loaded with you know super heavy amounts of cargo mm-hmm. yep, became that- you know special pilots that you know their the skill was this was worth it and then you know, later we added the flight assist and, and in Jumpgate Evolution, we had the idea to have an e- even easier flight mode. Um, but a lot of like the original pilots just, they never liked that idea. They liked this. They liked that Jumpgate was hard and, you know, that yeah, being well, a pilot meant something, you oh, know, I'm and so I, I dig that. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not complaining. I love the engine. I, it's, it's second nature to me now. Like, I'm one of those people who could fly a tow full of uranium and, uh, and still dock the thing without using the docking computer. It yep. takes forever, That's... but you yep. can do it. <laughs> yep. Yep. So the, the funny thing, the, like my first experience in the, in the game, like, well, I played it like way back in the when, but then uh, didn't really play a lot of it. Right, I was. I, I think I was like in one of the alphas or something, and uh, then Brian got me playing on this uh, like emulated version that's up today, and he he was he showed me how to dock right, and I got in the hangar, and then somebody was coming in, at, it was one of us. I don't know if it was Hunter, or maybe it was Brian, or it was some somebody blew it right, and. The, they rang the, sh- the station like a gong when they hit the outside. <laughs> and I was just like, that's awesome. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm just sitting there in the hangar and I just hear this bong. <laughs> and and the great Somebody thing is like if you're docked, sorry, the great thing is if you're docked at a station where that happens, you can still hear it. Yeah. Yeah, you can totally still hear it on the out- splat- the splash on the outside of the station. It's great. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, we, the first station we ever made was the smaller Soul Rain one, you know, the one that looks like a disc with like a little arm yes. up top. Yes, yes. And so, like, I spent many, many an hour just circling that station and like flying between the station and the arms, like perfecting the engine and stuff. Like, when we first first started, um, I didn't even know how to like import a 3D model or anything. And so, we just had a, I built like a giant thing of 
a grid of cubes. <laughs> um, and Steve was really the, Steve was really the Remo is the math wizard. And so the flight engine is primarily his, that's like his design. Um, and so, but we would just sit there and fly around and fly around and fly around until we got it good. You had to get the, like, there wasn't like an exporter, which is crazy to think about. Like, so I had to write my own exporter for 3D Studio. So I had to learn how to like, how does 3D Studio work and how does their things work? And like internally to them, verts and faces and stuff is stored wildly different than how game engines did it. So yeah, it was funny. Like I had to, there was a lot, it just took forever. It took, that's why it took almost five years to build the game because it was only a handful of us. And it was, you know, every single step was like, Oh, there's no exporter. So now. Yeah. So you're, you're having to invent every wheel along the way. Right. Right. How would you write an exporter? But we came up with some cool stuff because we had to come up with it on our own too. Like, Steve came up with a cool way of doing polar coordinates for our star systems. And because they were all seated, it meant that it was always the same stars in the same place. So that when you went to a certain sector, you you could learn what was in the skybox and it would always be the same each time mm-hmm. you came back. That was you know, very useful so, for mining. Very useful yeah, so, for mining. Yes. Or like, Mod hunting or whatever. Yes. Yeah, as yes. I remember, there were there were like asteroids that were out so far you couldn't see them, right? Correct. And yeah. then you'd you know, but if you knew where they were, then you could fly out there. And what when there's something like there, like some of the asteroids were even black, right? So you just couldn't yes. see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Emma. Emma. I, I think I, I think Emma. I actually ate God, one. Right. I'm like, still I mad was at flying, you. and all of a sudden, oh. pow. Yeah, I'm still yeah. Mad, I'm still mad at you guys for Emma. They they've moved it. <laughs> yeah. They've since moved it. It's not right in between the two gates now. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it! But uh, that was funny. Yeah, yeah I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure it was claimed funny. a lot of pilots. <laughs> yeah, I was one of them. Uh, but one thing yeah, I didn't like wanna, there was no uh, idea. There was no like so like the concept of like a map editor didn't exist, right? Because again, mm. there's no tools to build games from. So I had we wrote the artists would build the maps inside of um, 3d studio max. And then I figured out a way to like export that map out. Um, But it was loading slow and we didn't know a better way to do it. So I actually wrote a thing that like wrote the C code that described the map. (laughs) So when you would export a map, it would literally make a C plus plus (laughs) file. Oh my gosh. And so when it would do a map, it would just run that function. But it meant that maps loaded instantly. Like there wasn't like you jumped and you were just in the new map, which actually ended up being really cool. But yeah, it was like a stupidly ridiculous way to do that. But that's how we did it. Now, one thing that because oh sorry, go ahead. Well, so 3DO was funding you know at the beginning of this, right? So no, they never gave us any money. Oh well, I mean there is like the deal, right? That was supposed to happen. Right, they were just like a distributor, basically. uh, Okay. So was their console like a completely dead thing at that point? It had been dead for years at that point. Yeah, it had been dead for a long time at that point. Yeah, it was basically like – so one of the things that I think we were the first people to ever do was to combine real-time data on the web with an MMO. And so we had all this stuff like leaderboards and you could see like – I think we were also the first people to ever do like group 
missions where like people yeah. could work together towards the mission completion. And then all that data was, was output to a web page. And so when you weren't in the game, you could see like what's going on in space and where are the battles and like, and so 3DO had this idea of doing this thing between all their games with this metadata. And so I think the only reason they liked our game wasn't that they liked the game at all, but that they wanted our tech to like oh. power some of their other stuff. You know, it's one of those things you learn later. I, I, I could tell you the story. Like, so there was three, there was three publishers who were interested in publishing our game. And I, you know, I chose the worst possible <laughs> one. So there was 3DO, which, you know, I'm like, this is Trip Hawkins, the guy that started EA. And, you know, I kind of was starstruck a little bit by him thinking like, this is going to be the best deal possible. But the other guys were um, Mark Jacobs uh, and they hadn't, they hadn't released um, uh, Dark Age of Camelot yet. And so he's oh. like, look, you can, he's like, you can, you can be very successful. We can probably, we can get you 15,000 players and MMOs don't need to be a hundred thousand players. It was funny, his whole speech. And that right after dark age came out and was a very successful MMO. Yeah, was, <laughs> but like, was he the guy that founded mythic or what? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Oh man. And so, and so I had, I had like, so that was one group that I think would have been a killer partner for us. And then the other group that I think would probably have been the best was this company called Simultronics and they had this game on Genie that was um, a mech game. What was that called? Was it multiplayer battle tech? No, it's, 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 Oh man. What was that game? I have to look it up. I know what you're talking about. I cannot remember the name either. It, it wasn't know. multiplayer battle tech, but it was very similar. Um, and so they had this game. Anyway, he was like, I love your game and we don't have a ton of money, but I'm really good at like finding partnerships and we'll find a way to make this thing amazing. Right. And it's like, you know, hindsight 2020, like I think those guys would have also been like a killer partner because we don't, I don't know anything about publishing and marketing and, you know, like we barely knew enough about developing. Right. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, those were my choices and I picked 3DO unfortunately <laughs> yeah of course Actually, these days if you could self-publish you'd be in a different world yeah but even with self-publishing you still need pr and marketing and you know you know there, there's yeah. skill sets to that that i still don't have i'm just i'm mm. a developer yeah that's what i think about you know yeah but i'm, I'm just saying you don't have to worry about like your publisher closed down because it, it's just for, for faults of not your own right yeah, yeah. distribution is the thing that's kind of solved because nobody cares about going to a store and buying a box or fewer and fewer people do. So yeah, yeah. yeah, that was, that was it. Those were my choices. Those were the groups we had found. And yeah, that was how I, that's who I picked. Oh man. Have you ever talked to uh, the guys over at Vendetta online? I have not. Oh, you you should. Um, That would be a fun conversation because they've, the Vendetta Online is a very jump gate-ish kind of game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, I remember. But you know, not as good. It's, it's like, like not as good. Not really. Not really. But I mean, I think a lot of the fault of that is the difference in the flight model. Right? Oh. Because your flight model was just a lot more responsive and fun. It felt like you were actually flying fun, yeah. somewhere rather than, rather than yep. whatever you're doing in Vendetta. Yeah. 
Well, it's, it's just like this ship will kill you if you know if you. It, it's like it, it can be the best thing, but it will also kill you if you don't respect it. And their game is more like point and go sort of thing. Um, but it's uh, you know they they've got a similar like there's three factions, there's stations and sectors and stuff, you know, and uh, trade routes around things and and that. Um, they've got sort of an NPC thing that's un- unlike the Conflux. It's like a generic robot drone thing that's out there, um, you know, different flavors of that. But it's but it's still like, you know, kind of a uh, like a zombie enemy to fight. Right. Where right. it's like they'll chase you, but they're not aggressive where they're like invading your stations and stuff. It's just like if you go out where they are, they're a problem. Yeah, our original intention was not to have AI. But there just wasn't enough players on all the time, and so yeah. AI made sure there was at least something to do, always. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and that's why we added them. Yeah, how did you come to design them? Because they're all very different. Well, so we're all like, we just like we're all we like diving. Like that was like a big thing. So that's why like Net Devil came from. Like we were trying to find cool fish studio names, but everything was taken. I mean, even in 97, everything was taken like shark and stingray and like all the stuff you'd think of that sounds cool. And we found in the dictionary that fishermen called angler fish net devils. Mm-hmm. And we're like, Hey, yeah, we're, remember, an inter- we're an internet company. Like this is a cool name. And so that's where the name came from. And so conflux is the same thing. They were like fish. They were like aliens that were fish or whatever. And so that was just where our mind was. Yeah. I remember you guys at, uh, at E3 with the, you had like the black polo shirts with the little angler fish on. Yeah. The, I loved our logo. Pocket. I thought that was cool. It yeah, is it a great neat. logo. It is a great logo. So I wanted to ask about something that, very few other games have gotten right, um, and I've, it's your economy. Like with a game like Elite or even Vendetta, the economy doesn't feel like it matters that much, you know. But with your game, it matters a lot. There are a ton of moving parts. Like you need this material at this station to make this piece of equipment, you know, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and it's, and it's up to the players to get it there. And if they yeah. don't, then you just don't have that, which exactly. is a problem whenever the enemy shows up, and they do. So, yep. you know, so so it yeah, it it forced a uh, a trucker economy to be going on in the background. It's not just like everybody can jump in fighters. We need people that are miners. We need people to haul it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and it that. made everybody yeah, important. Else does that? It made everybody yep. important, which was amazing. So, well, you want. Like a thing that's hard to pull off and, and most of MMOs don't even try because it's hard to pull off is you want a world that the players matter, <laughs> right? And that your actions have like real ramifications where like when you're playing an MMO where there's a boss and everybody's killed the boss, it doesn't really matter that you killed the boss and killing the boss doesn't really do anything, right? And so right. that we were trying to make, we were, we, we were thinking about it differently. I mean, it's funny because I kind of think everybody thought that way at the beginning, right? Because Ultima Online was the same way early on, right? It was like, there's monsters and they have priorities and they're hungry first, but once they're full, then they want gold second. And if they've killed people to gather gold, when you kill them, they'll have gold. Like they had this, which all that stuff got cut by the time they launched because it was too hard to balance. Well, the problem that they had uh, from what Richard had said was that they let people into that world 
and they, they figured, you know, it's like, well, people go out and hunt stuff and that, but we have this balanced ecosystem, right? Where the, you know, it's like the dragon is going to eat the deer. And, but if the people hunt all the deer, then the dragon's hungry. So it's going to come after the town, that right. kind of deal. They right. said the problem was that, that people were like a plague. They just killed everything, you yep. know, and it, yeah. it wasn't with any rhyme or reason. It was just like, does it move? Kill it. Yep. And, you know, just swept, swept the entire landscape clean. So that broke their life some. Yeah, it's it's yeah, players are make it harder to to build that. But yeah, that was the idea. I mean, it's so much cooler when it works that way. And it it must have been tough to get it work because again, there are so many moving parts. Um, I mean, again, we were building it for so long (laughs) that by the time we launched it, it had been running for years in in beta too, right? So I, I. I think that it's, I don't think it's that we were genius designers. I think it's that we had enough time and enough oh. iterations for the design to get good. That's fair. Maybe that'll still happen with star citizen. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. So I, I worked know. on that for a while. I don't know if you guys know that. Yeah. We heard you did some of the networking for that. Yeah. I just was, you know, missing doing space Sims. And so I reached out and Chris was like, yeah, help us out. So we did, we did some of the networking, but I also helped with some of like the backend systems and tools to build some of their server systems and economy systems and stuff too. They have some oh, really cool. cool ideas. It's, and Chris is like, I, I don't, I never knew Chris before. That was like the first time I got to meet him. And wing commander is one of my favorite games of all time in privateer. Of so it was also very, uh, nerdtastic to hang out with him but like that's a smart dude like we would talk about stuff and he would sit in a programmers meeting and be like have you thought about this like he's a he's a real engineer on top of being like a designer and a writer and a director and like all i I, i'm really having met him and work with him i'm very impressed by him yeah he was actually the second guest that we had on the show cool i just i'm very impressed by him he's a he's an amazingly smart dude And I got to work with like Richard super like, so I had this crazy meeting where um, I get out of the blue, I get a a email from Richard Garriott. I'm just like, what? (laughs) And he was like, Hey, I was at 3DO and I saw your game and they asked me to give a ton of feedback. And so if you'd like, I'd love to share my feedback. And so I'm just like, holy cow, you don't turn this down. So I got on a plane and I went down and I met with them. Um, And this was when they were, their studio was called Destination, like the opposite of Origin. Oh, God. Before they they became NCSoft. (laughs) Oh, God. And it was just him and Star and like a handful of people in this little office. And so I went down and like, I spent the afternoon with him one day and he was just like, hey, here's a bunch of feedback. And it was... I mean, it was like, that was incredible <laughs> oh my right? God. to like meet him and like, yeah, because I'm a huge Ultima fan. And so, yeah, that was super cool. And anyway, that's how like later we had this inside with NCSoft when they were looking for developers. It was like, hey, I actually met Rich and he saw the work we did and stuff. And that's kind of how we got auto assault. Right. Yeah. So, so what, what's the life cycle of auto assault? Because the thing that I remember about it. Well, first off, the the very first uh, tabletop game that I ever played 
was Car Wars. Mm-hmm. And from playing Auto Assault, I think you guys maybe played Car Wars too. So it's uh, what was the the life cycle of that thing? Because I was really interested in it, and then it was there for a short window, and then like it it, it was shut down, and and it's like I think maybe the first MMO that got shut down. Were so up so in there. We, so absolutely, I'm a I'm a ridiculously big Car Wars and Auto Duel fan. And so um, I pitched those guys making a, you know, Car Wars online. Uh, and it turned out that Rich's brother, Rob, who's the president of NCSoft, his favorite game that Origin ever made was Auto Duel. Okay. Oh, my God. And so it's like, he's like, let's do it. And it was supposed to be like a top down, like very simplistic MMO. Right, just top down car wars. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, speaking of like dream meetings, we had a meeting with Steve Jackson and we were like, let's make car wars online. Yeah. Can we have that meeting with Steve again? Because it, I think it's still due. It, it was, it was like the greatest. Like, I'm like, here I am. I'm like in a room with like Steve Jackson and Richard Garriott and somehow I'm at this table with these guys, you know, like these legends and it was awesome. And I was telling him like Steve, all my ideas. And he's like, these are all the things I wanted to do in a future version. And so like, I left that meeting thinking I'm making car wars online, right? Like this is going to be the greatest thing ever. And, um, it, it turns out that Steve is impossible to work with in terms of deal turns, and uh, perhaps, and perhaps Rob also is. <laughs> and so they were so far apart on their expectations of the deal that they it, just have, was it like the business side or was it yeah, like the actual yeah, vision? Yeah. Oh, okay. The business side, right? What Steve thought the IP was worth and what Rob was willing to pay were yeah. not even close. And so it didn't happen. <laughs> it's a, it's amazing that auto duel ever happened under those circumstances. Yeah, maybe maybe one or the other side wasn't as egotistical at the time. I don't know. But um, auto but auto assault itself did happen, and it lasted it did. a few years. It did. Right? It did. Well, so what happened was, as we're developing it, it's like, well, it was one of those things where it was like, well, how are we going to charge a subscription? for a simplistic top-down car game when there's, you know, EverQuest with housing and 400 missions and you know what I mean? And so it was sort of like the competition in the MMO space. They, they didn't feel like it could stack up. So it was like, okay, well, let's pull the camera down and make it more 3D now, which then when you're 3D and you're looking at your environment, now the environment needs to be much cooler than it does top down right and it was like well we need player housing and crafting and so it just like it 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 feature creeped up a ton um while we were trying to build it with a really small team and so then the team got bigger and the budget got bigger and then by the time it shipped it was just it was okay but it was you know and, and i blame myself more than anyone like i i should have been able to believe in the original vision more and just been like we should have invented the free to play model right there yeah see if it if it had existed at the time yeah yeah exactly or you know maybe maybe we should have been five dollars a month right instead of 15 or what yeah right like so i don't know 
Well, that's learned, the status that's quo. Kind of what I'll, everything I'll be honest. Then, right? I tried it. I tried it for a month or two, and it, yeah, I just went back to Jumpgate. I I have to be honest. It yeah, never it, really clicked. It wasn't like as Jumpgate. It did. wasn't as it wasn't as good. Right. It was kind of. It was a lot of systems that were kind of put in there to sort of have all the check boxes. Right. Like the marketing check boxes. Right. Like oh, does we have player housing and custom mission like i'm i'm still proud like i think there's a lot of stuff that auto assault did first because again i'm a big believer of like the player affecting the world and so i think we were the first to have the idea of like instance map stuff right so we wanted it that when you went and blew up the base if you drove back over there the base is still blown up Right. And like lots of MMOs do that now, but I don't think anybody else had ever done that. Cause again, it was the same idea of like, how do I make myself feel like I matter? And how does it, how do, so there was a lot of stuff like that that I'm really proud of. We did an auto assault. Um, but yeah, the game just wasn't, I don't know. It was like a lot of okay features and instead of like a few really awesome ones. Right. Yeah. We, but if, but if you had it to um, do again, Right. And you and you mm. said, OK, now now the free to play space is here and we've got mobile platforms. And we've got, you know, like all this real estate that we could be on with a simple top down 2D thing. I think it'd be a blast. You, yeah. So so when you want to start, like I'm not doing anything this week. <laughs> When's that Kickstarter yeah. launching? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it would be fun. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think to Kickstarter, you would need Steve Jackson. It would have to be Auto Duel. Well, it has it'd have to be the name to to actually get the attention. You think? Yeah, I do. I well, do. have you have you seen? Um, oh God, what do they call it? It's Gaslands. Uh, if you if you follow a, a Twitter account called Car Combat Central, which mm-hmm. I stumbled on one day, and they've come out with this game called Gaslands, which is a competitor to Car Wars. And it's more dice mechanic stuff, but it, it kind of takes some inspiration from the uh, X-Wing tabletop game in that there's some template movement stuff that's a little more resembling that than the Car Wars turnkey thing. Um, and it is scaled for matchbox cars right out of the gate, right? So you ah, just run fine. down to Walmart, get you a Hot Wheels car, you're ready to play. Um, yeah, so not so bad. And, uh, the, and the book's cheap, right? I think they the... Kickstarter thing for that. It was like 19 bucks to get the book cool. or whatever. Cool. And then, you know, and it's, uh, I'm, I'm just watching people on Twitter and they're just having a blast, like just go down and get a hot wheels car and then like glue a bunch of 40 K guns on it. And, you know, just yep. hit bashing cars, hit it with a hammer a couple of times, mad max it up. Yep. So, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that kind of thing is out there. So I, I think you, could compete with it but yes I, it's definitely like for brand recognition stuff if, if you wanted to come out of the gate with an audience probably car wars although i didn't really dig the car wars what was a fourth edition that he did where they went back to like here's two cars in a box and it, that that was like in the age of magic the gathering and stuff where everything got super simplified and all the rules got to fit on a card i mean to be honest like did you play auto duel the origin one yeah sure I- did I thought 800. Like, why not just do that? Right. Like it works and there's, you go drive from town to town and there's guys you fight on the highways in between Mm. and it's got all the rules and you've got like the missions you get from the towns. And I don't know, like that's at least seems like a great starting point because that was a really fun game. (laughs) Do you remember uh, games workshop? Uh, They had that game called dark future. 
and it was a road combat thing as well. I don't remember um, that. That that is actually currently in development, and it plays like a it's a three D like spy hunter kind of yeah. thing. And the way that they did the combat instead of going turn based is they go to bullet time, and then you can actually like adjust the target arcs of your weapons and stuff. Oh, and, interesting. And like let it out of bullet time and combat you know, happens. Um, yeah, there, there's a gameplay video that's, that's out there for that. That's kind of, it's on my wish list. Let's just put it that way. I, I thought, I mean, the problem with 3d is that the camera goes behind the car right. and it makes weapons that don't fire forward nearly impossible to use. And right, so you end is, up doing dumb stuff like driving backwards and firing, right? Like, and so top down at least makes weapon arcs and side weapons and stuff like spy hunter, like a lot more, yeah. So I think that's another thing is like stay top down <laughs> if you're gonna do a car combat game. Like, yeah. Now if you could if you could get the spy hunter name. Hmm. Yeah, that would be another good one. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably midways sitting on that one still. Well getting yep, back that would to be another good one. Getting back to jump kid, we have two questions from the audience. Come on, Brian, we're talking Let's about Star Wars here. Jeez. Uh getting back to jump gate, <laughs> we have two questions from the audience. Um, the first one is, did the length of the beta hurt jump gate in the long run? No, I think, I think it helped us a lot actually, because we're so small. We don't have like, we don't have, you know, like most publishers have like a, a place that can run the game on every kind of hardware, every possible, you know, like we couldn't afford that. And so the beta allowed us to get so many bugs out. Before, like, when, like, you know, mo- at the time when most games launched, like, what was that World War II game? World War II Online? Yeah. Where, <laughs> hard name to remember, where, like, you know, everybody's day one patch was the entire game. <laughs> what? Um, like, really? I don't, I don't think we, I don't think we had that, like, cause the game was already effectively live and so by the time it launched there there wasn't like launch didn't have a bunch of new stuff it was just what was in the beta live now and then we just kept adding to it afterwards and so so, so know, you invented felt, early access <laughs> yeah basically we just weren't smart enough to charge for it <laughs> so i don't know i've i don't know that i mean it's possible that people had played it and had their fun in beta and they were done with it now but jumpgate wasn't really a a game that you finish, right? It was a game that you play. And so I don't, I don't know that it mattered that, that, that you came in and played and, and played for a while. I mean, we had levels and we had stuff where you could start over and, but it was really more about like, Hey, let's get in today and, you know, let's go flip beacons or let's go do a cargo run or whatever. And you just, you got in and you did what you wanted to do that night with your friends. And I, I don't know that, that that's ever over or you know complete or whatever. I do have to compliment you on the role playing system in the game. It like unlike again, I'm gonna bash elite. I know I do, but I th- I felt like it, it, the, it, it deserves it. Um, the leveling system in Jumpgate felt like right for like you got this ship at this level, you can get this radar at this level, and and it felt like you you had to earn that. It wasn't mm-hmm. just an infusion of money. You had to actually spend the time to level up to get that light miner or that transport or whatever, you know. 
Well, how, how did the leveling work? Was it like experience that you got for killing things, or it, yeah, or or really a mission? Is missions is where you got most of your XP. Missions. Yeah, I love I love it's just missions, doing missions. Yeah. The the like since then I have so many ideas of like oh this would have been so much better, but um like like for instance if I was to do it again I wouldn't have levels at all I would have like licenses sort oh. of like uh, like Gran Turismo. Right. So it's like, okay, you've run a bunch of cargo. So now you've unlocked cargo license B, which then unlocks these things in the game that you can now fly or purchase. Ooh, right. Like and then if you want to be a mercenary, then you have to have done so many jobs. Then you get your mercenary license to which unlocks different stuff related to mercenaries. Oh, I, like, like I, th- I think that's a more like natural because the level yeah. is kind of a yeah, level is kind of a weird thing. Yeah, right. Uh, where where licenses step. make sense to me. Like if you want to be a trucker, yeah. you don't get to drive like like you say uranium tow on day one. First, you gotta like let's see you deliver ten small cheap things. Like I'm not gonna trust you to hire you to take this expensive stuff yet. And then the other thing is your it would show kind of what you've what you're experienced at. Right. So just because you're level 50 doesn't mean you're a great tow pilot or a great escort pilot just means you're level 50. Where if you had like classes now, I think it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, no, I like Mm. that. Uh, Speaking of a tow, I don't know if people understand what that is. Uh, (laughs) Who haven't played Um, semi in space. Yeah. Yeah. Basically for a while it was the, the big cargo hauler until the freighters, which are even bigger uh, were introduced. But there were about a dozen different types of ships in the game. There were three factions. They all had the same types, but each ship was a little different. Um, how did you come to design and iterate all the different ships? Well, the idea originally was... So, again, so um, Peter had never done 3D art ever. <laughs> he was a sculptor. So he was a classically trained incredible fine artist who was like computers look fun (laughs) and so we were learning on the fly like we didn't know how texturing worked we didn't know how modeling worked we didn't know how like any of the tricks of how to texture better and smarter and like we learned so much stuff it's kind of why the graphics were crap even for the time (laughs) is that we didn't know we just didn't know any of this stuff but didn't but didn't Uh, the graphics help help it run better on a on a modem and a slow like a wider range of computers like wasn't that beneficial in some ways sure our system requirements were like zero and and because of that like i got some neat opportunities because like 3d effects would be like hey can we demo your game in our booth because your game runs at 60 fps and nothing else does (laughs) you know (laughs) and so we got some cool opportunities like that to like show off in some places where you normally wouldn't because it ran so well but it that's not because of like amazing programming skills it's because our art was just so low poly it ran really well so is that why the ships are a bit on the i'm not gonna say ugly but sim- simpler side compared yeah, to some yep. other sci-fi flight yep, games ab- yeah. absolutely and we didn't do you know one of the things i learned later it's like oh, it would have been amazing was reading about how they made star wars and how lucas hired uh industrial designers to do a ship design 
And the reason was is that industrial designers think about how shit works, right? They're like, well, if there's a cockpit here, then there needs to be a way into it. And so where does the ladder fit? And you wouldn't want to ever put a ladder in front of an air intake. And you know what I mean? Like they, so because he had industrial designers building his ships, they always looked like a ship could actually look. And, you know, we didn't have, you know, like a, a modern game company has like a, a designer creating a design and then an art sketching it out and you go through 20 iterations there and then you go to 3d concepting and you move that. Like we didn't have any of that stuff, right? It's just Peter going, I don't know, maybe it looks like this, <laughs> you know? And, and, and that, and like, like at a high level, the idea was that the soul rain guys were like sleek. So they were supposed to look like a, you know, sexy, like something you'd buy from like a car dealership, right? Nice. The, the Octavian guys were supposed to look like uh war machines, you know? And so they were supposed to be aggressive kind of looking. Right. And then the Quantar dudes were like religious and all their stuff was named after storms. And so it was all supposed to, you know, follow those ideas. And that's, that yeah. was kind of at a high level it. Yeah, I, I always played Quantar, which was the uh, the more religious mining faction, and I, I love their ships. Like the Gust and the Comsin, the heavy miner, are like my favorite ships. In just I played Quantar too, mostly. Yeah, their ships. Are- yeah, the three of us each had a faction of our that we like. Like oh, really? Steve played, Steve played Octavian, and and Peter played Solrain mostly, and so we kind of each had our own that we sort of made sure they were keeping up like that. Hey, these guys are more powerful. So one of the three of us would be arguing for making something better for that one group or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, another thing I, I'm still super proud of that I that Jumpgate did first, which was the idea of like, so when we would introduce an item, like a new gun, the players would have to build the factories. Right. Yeah. And those so were, those were all, events. Those were events. Yeah, to build Those things. Right. Yeah. And so all three factions would get the mission. And it was up to the faction for how quick they built the factory before they would get the weapon. And so I loved that idea that there's this competitiveness going on where they're working together to build this factory. And when it's done, this new gun unlocks for them. Yeah, I remember partaking. I, I remember partaking in some of those events as, as a hauler and just having a blast with like, oh my god, you have to get this here now. I'm like, I'm working on it. This yeah. is, this is happening. Well, you had to have the, the miners had to be getting the materials yeah. and yeah. then the haulers had to be bringing it all, mm-hmm. bringing all the converted parts over and then they docked with the factories and that's how they got done. I don't know. I thought it was cool. Oh, it was great. No, I love that. I, I probably spent most of the time mining in those because, I again, I, you guys, the mining in your game is still my favorite mining in any space game. Like so, I could tell you where that came from. Please, it's from a, it's it it basically came from a lack of my ability to figure out <laughs> how to destroy the asteroids and bring them back later, because they were all built into the map. Mm. And so what we did is we instead said that like asteroids get hot, and the hotter they are, the less re- like the less yield there is while you're mining them, which is why they changed colors or whatever. Um. And then, and then we're like, but it's so people are just flying up to him and just sitting there. And we're like, well, this is that's dumb. And so we're, we're like, let's reward you for flying. And so basically, the faster you were moving around the asteroid, 
Oh my god. The more yield you got in your mining. So if you I wanted know. to mine quickly, you had to like move and maneuver and fly while you mm. were mining versus just flying up and sit there. And so that's that's where that system kind of evolved from. I but love, I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, I love orbit mining. I love yeah. it so much. That's probably what I spent most of the game doing is orbit mining. Yeah. Now, where did um pure where did the idea for pure asteroids come from? Um, I think it was just rare. I mean, that was it. Okay. Because those are... Folks, if you're not sure, if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, every non-station system has one asteroid in it uh, that is a pure commodity. Like, there are, there are ice asteroids, there are radioactive asteroids, and they're mostly one thing, but they'll get you a bunch of other little things as well. But there's, a, there's like, you'll find this one asteroid... Uh, in a certain amount of space around the center gate that is just one thing, and it's usually fairly expensive. It's also hard to find, and eventually they pop, um, and you have to find the next one. So you're, like, staring at the radar. You can't really orbit mine when you're doing that because you got to stare at the radar and see where the next one pops up. I I have so much fun doing that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was the idea was just to be, you know, like have something special to like search for. Yeah. Yeah. It made mining even more fun. Um, yeah. And the, the mining thing, that's the thing that, uh, that I noticed that Evacron kind of borrowed from it is yeah. the orbiting the asteroid thing. Well, you can, you can sit still. I don't know if it worked this way in, in jump gate or not, but it's like, you always did it by orbiting around it, but could you just kind of like wiggle the beam around without moving? No, you it, had to be actually just, moving. Okay. It was based on the speed of your ship. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's in. that's far more fun because and you oh, could you could do it though if you wanted around. to. If you wanted to, you could just fly up and stop. It just would be much slower. Yeah. yeah. So we decided that would how that's how we would reward you is like if you wanted to take the risk and fly around it, you could fly around it. Yeah, yeah. but I, I guess the other way is like AFK mining, right? It's like I gotta go, I gotta go to the bathroom. Yeah, and, right. and, and you can do that. A, it's just gonna take a lot. Put longer. a rubber band on the trigger. Yep. Yeah, and you can do that. It's just going to take a lot longer. Um, I mean, I think I think one of the problems of Jumpgate was based off of the feature of Jumpgate. It has it like no problems. How space. dare you? No, I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> and I, I mean, Elite Elite suffers from this even more because their world is even bigger. Is that you're you're playing an online game and you maybe don't see anybody. I mean, Eve still can have that too, right? Where you might have a play session where you don't see anybody else. Yeah. And it's like, it's because space is massive. And when it's 3d, right. it's even more massive. And so that's one of the things I've been thinking about a little bit is like, if you were to do it differently, because I feel like that's, that to me is some of the negative of, of jump gate is that you would, you know, like people would tell me like, Oh, I would play your game and I would read a book at the same time. And I'm just like, I don't know that that's a good thing. That's really not. That, that was not. You know what I mean. And, that, and the I would rather I would rather you have a lot of intense fun doing this thing you want to do, and then stop playing and read a book, right? Yeah. Like instead yeah. of like, there's this game forces you to like sit and stare at the screen for 20 minutes. Like I don't think that's fun. And so I, that's what we've been trying to think about a little bit is like, what's the what's the right fix for that? Like what's the right way to make that. Well, in in the original you know, game, when there were more players, it it never felt that bad because you can always talk to. You had the global chat, which was great, right. where you could talk yep. to everyone in the universe, uh, yep. and that's how you pass the time. 
The problem is right now the current iteration of Jumpgate has barely anybody playing it. Right. And so you kind of so lose. Yeah. So you yeah. really lose that reason. Like one of the reasons to blog it and play, besides the game being fun, was to talk to your friends. You know, while you're yeah. traversing between gates. You know, yep. um, and, and and that always made the traverse that always made the traversal a lot easier. Um, I mean, I, I never read. I would listen to music, but I was always talking to people. You know, did you listen to Jumpgate Pirate Radio? I did sometimes, but usually I found that <laughs> funk, uh, Motown, and disco were the best mining and hauling music for me. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of Al Green, you know, a lot of a lot of disco. Um, but it's it, so it made traveling a lot easier when you had like that CB radio to talk to your friends, which mm-hmm. I thought which I thought was a great feature. So I don't I don't I wouldn't say that's as much as a negative as you might think. Because when you have a good player population, being able to talk to everybody really um, alleviates that a lot. So yeah, it's good to hear. <laughs> yeah, because it's I, good to hear. Like I said, I wouldn't have played so many thousands of hours if I was reading at the same time, you know. So uh, so yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that. But uh, we do have another question. Um, do they ever have? Do you guys ever have an explanation for what caused the Great Collapse? So we have a lore question. Let's see. No, hang on. Before so, you get before you get to there, let's explain what that question entails. So the game the game is called Jumpgate: The Reconstruction Initiative, and right. part of what you're doing is you're rebuilding this whole universe after this some kind of massive galactic collapse that ruined space travel for how long? Lots of years. <laughs> the idea was that it was, that it, that it was, it was so great that it even like changed like the laws of physics of the universe. Oh my God. Right. And so things that used to work one way, no longer even work that way. And so, um, mankind had been, shut down and away from each other for a long, long time. And this group came up with this new idea, which was these gates that allowed this fast travel using like the wormholes that were like left behind from that event. And so now that there's these wormholes um, or anomalies, basically everywhere, um, they figure out this system to build the gates. We never really went into like the specifics of who or what caused it, to be honest. <laughs> it was just, we needed the, again, the idea was that we wanted players to like build the universe. Again, it's like your, how are you leaving your mark on this world? And so we wanted like a, instead of like a full world that you're just kind of coming into, we wanted like a more empty world that you're building, that you're like everybody who's there is a part of it. And like, I think people like from the beta loved that. Like I was there when we added these sectors or we built this new gate. Like Lothar's Right. And so it was like, you you get this, yeah, you get this sense of owning it. Right. Like I was a part of building this thing, which I think is cooler than, um, you know, here's the world. It's done. Now just go play in it. Right. So that, that was the logic behind it. Was that the plan for those anomalies to eventually make them into jump gates into new systems? Yep. Absolutely. Oh, okay. 
Because I always wondered why we were scanning those things. <laughs> yep, you were, you were scanning them to potentially build gates. That's pretty awesome. Uh, now, there was one thing that really polarized the player base, and I think it kind of still does to this day. Uh, player-owned stations. Yep. Uh, eventually, folks, if you're unaware, uh, the game added the ability for the very wealthy uh, players to build their own stations. And this caused a lot of consternation because people would use these stations to basically hoard important stuff. So what was the idea behind originally behind player-owned stations, and how did those eventually – like how, how did you feel about the implementation? Oh, right. Uh, I just was informed that we need a 30-second bio break. So if I had some music, I would put it on right now. Yeah, I'm going to take one myself. I'll be back. This is not something that usually happens, folks. But in the last, uh, there was an episode, I think about 10 episodes ago, where both the guest and I just were like, we got to go. Like right now. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, this is what happens when you do stuff live. (laughs) People need to go to the bathroom. (laughs) It happens. But once I had to tow uh, something to the black hole. Oh, oh, yeah, I had to shake hands with my best friend. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite euphemisms. <laughs> but toes up to the black hole is uh... sorry. Sorry. So <laughs> no like, worries. I could tell you. I could tell you where, where the idea was of them was, and where we kind of wanted to take it. So. Again, it was so you're building all this stuff, but you're only building it for the other groups. And so we wanted to start to have something that you could build that was like yours instead of always building something for the factions. Um, and yeah, we debated back and forth as to whether or not they should be like destructible <laughs> um, and whether or not they should be um, like can you limit who comes in or not? And we ended up with that you could, but as you say, it had the downside of like, you could hide materials away, which was kind of the negative of them. Yeah. Um, but the, the goal was that the eventual goal is like, what we wanted to have was like, um, basically like aircraft carriers so that you would have like, that you'd have flying stations that you could like land in and they could, then you could get a bunch of you in one of those and then it could fly through space and like that. So that's where the, that's where it was going. That was the idea was that you would have like player owned, like aircraft carriers. And, you know, we were trying to get to like, you know, player, like we only ever had one player per ship and we were really trying to get to like, you know, players manning turrets and stuff. And so that was kind of where it was heading. And it was like step one of that. We just never made it to step two. Yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of a shame because they they were useful. Uh, my favorite thing about them was when you can afford a hangar, so you didn't have to lose all your stuff with your with your ship when switching ships. I did love I did love that, but it was so expensive. Yeah, I mean that that was the idea, but you're right. It added these. It added like an artificial place where you could hide stuff that 
before then you didn't really have such a thing. Yeah, and and sadly those don't show up on the whatever the APIs I think they are. So like you can't look like there's a site right now where you can look up inventory in Jumpgate, which is amazing. Like I'm doing a yeah. mis- I'm doing a mission where I'm running synthetics, you know, uh, and so I know. I have to go to Soul Ring Core to get them to do this mission. I know that. Yeah, we output everything into the web so that you could you could scrape that data and use it yourself. Like this is right. This is before there was like cool sites like uh, uh, what's a good one like MMO Head or whatever, right? Like that you could right. that go to and you list it, every item in this game and here's all the what's pros and cons or whatever. Like that didn't really exist at the time. And so we were putting this all out there so you had a way, at least a place to see some of that stuff. So I, I thought it was cool that people built those apps for that. Oh, it's, it's very useful for, you know, miners and haulers who need like, oh, I need, I need to make some fiber optics. What station makes those and what does it, what does it need? Okay, you know it's really handy uh, for that kind of thing. And again, I wish Elite would do something like that, but then again, it doesn't really matter because their economy is just a bunch of nothing. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 probably harder when you're making a game that is like ours was fixed, right? Right. We know what the sectors are, and so we know who produces what, and we can balance it right we can make sure that there's you know whatever you want to call it like there's the like the design design terms it's like you have the faucets and you have the drain and so like do you have if there's not enough faucets then it doesn't work and if there's not enough drains it builds up right so we could we could design around all that stuff because it's a it's a controlled system when you're making a game that's like there's a trillion stars and you can go to every star and each one might have something else then it's then it's harder and i I don't actually know much about Elite Online. I mean, I've played it, and I think it's beautiful, but I I don't know how, like, their economy works. Like, I don't know if they're like, hey, we don't have enough faucets of copper, so no. the next time someone discovers a system, we should make it a copper system or something. Like, I don't no, know. No, it's – their, like their economy is all hand-wavium. Yeah, okay. it, it, none of it yeah. matters. None of it – like, you get a oh. mission to take beer – or bio waste from one station to another, and it's just for that mission. Like it doesn't matter that that station didn't actually like need it. Or anything. oh, yeah. I see. It's not. Yeah, real. Like, it'll. It, it's like, hey, haul haul uh, twenty tons of transducers over there, and then you get there, and then you get a mission. Hey, haul twenty tons of transducers right back where you came from. Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> it's uh, like, okay. mm, suspension beliefs out the and window. It's yeah, it's, that's too bad. It's really a shame because if I recall, the earlier Elite games did do all that. Oh it yeah, absolutely. Did matter. So it's just so, like so. I mean, Junkie, Junkie. Again, Elite was probably like our number one inspiration of a space game, and then also Privateer, right? Like, of course, because those—that's what they were. It was about buying and selling, and oh, I know that this station's short on these, and I could make money running this from here to here, and so you do the run, right? But if you do it too much, that station gets too many, and the price goes up, and now that run's not good anymore. Exactly. That's what you want yep. with with yep. yeah. The problem that they've got is you know they they plan for however many people in space, right? So they wanted things to be fairly static because they saw a lot of a lot of room for players to exploit and break the economy, 
and you know because that's like the ultima online thing right it's like if you put it in there and you let players influence the players are going to break the hell out of it but then, then you have eve online which has a fully player run economy and they actually have an economist on staff right and it's really an amazing thing to watch that economy work so yeah, can, I mean they're probably the done. they're the gold standard I would say right of like oh yeah oh yeah space economy done right like no one's done it better than Eve oh no 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 one's done it better than Eve oh my god yep. <laughs> yeah and there's so much of it that you just don't even really participate in and you don't have to because it's yep. like the people who play the economy game not the spaceship game that are they're they're the ones that really run that yep. like, yeah you have a little part in it. You know, you can have like your own little store somewhere in a station. You go like in some hole in the wall corner and then you can actually be important to the people out there. But you're not the entire universe economy or anything. But, no. it, but you know, you're but like, it's hey. like you can you can have your own little kingdom. And yeah, that, that's the also, thing. Elite doesn't want you to own anything. You can also mine like a little bit and turn in some to a station. And someone will pat you on the head. Good boy. Go mine some more. And it'll actually like. The stuff you mind will help somebody somewhere, you know. Right. So it's just it's kind of amazing how that works. But your game, um, oh wait a minute, we have another question. What's this? Ask Scott how he felt about the way Jump Creed created quote unquote legendary players, uh, like Rolio, Fellblade, Hurricane, and others. Did you ever imagine that would happen? No, never thought of it. In fact, we didn't know it was happening until a lot longer. Oh really? <laughs> We're just like, man, this Rolio guy is awesome, and he's playing all the time. And it's like, well, that's because it's a bunch of people. <laughs> like I didn't know that for a long time. Embarrassingly, Wait, it, it wasn't just one guy. No, that's what it, that's what they that's what they're talking about. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I, so you had these you had these accounts that people would like share, and they would all fly and. Yeah. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Oh, it's super cool. I mean, it made the game better. It made yeah. it certainly made the game better. Well, that's how you get stuff like uh, you know the new the new EverQuest expansion would come out, and then like three days later, you'd have somebody at like max level, and it's like, how the heck did somebody do that? They must right. not have slept. And it was like, well, it was actually five people, right? And they- who, yeah, combined didn't sleep, but yeah, yeah. So that's what that's what it was. It was you just had you had these accounts where it was like you know role played is like this guy is a hunter and he's a jerk and he's going to kill everybody and this guy is whatever but those were all like those were all shared accounts which i think is fun that is fun i had no idea like god yeah, that's why again like I, I feel like allowing you it's like another thing people talked about is like they wanted multiple accounts and i'm like oh, i kind of like that you have one <laughs> because it forces you to be that role but i get that you're like but I kind of today I want to be a pirate and tomorrow I want to be a defender. And so it's kind of nice to have both roles available to you. So I don't know. It's one of those things I'm still torn on a little bit. That's fair. I, I actually liked having one character, you know, I, I really, cause then you put all your focus into that one, one person and you really but care for, about that character community as well, because you know who somebody is. Yeah. Plus it's not like, well, I have one guy in this faction and one guy in that faction. Yep. So, I mean, I can't stop you from buying two accounts and doing exactly that anyway, but I still feel like it, that's, that's a lot less likely than, yeah. you know, what you said. And that's kind of why I like the, the class, like the license class thing too, Yeah, because like then that. you can be like, you know what I want to do start doing mercenary stuff. So then you 
start at the bottom and start doing mercenary stuff. You don't have to like re-roll or start over or pick a different class. Like you can be one guy that does all of these things. You just have to earn them sort of individually. It's it's kind of a shame you don't have the IP because that sounds like a wonderful idea to bring Jumpgate back. And I think, as we were saying before the uh, the show started, now would be the time to bring Jumpgate back. You know, in a new in a new prettier iteration. You know. Or top down two D, and on tablets. Or there's actually a you, game, can, you can solve both problems. Well, there's actually a game coming out that's kind of like that called Starfighter Infinity. Um, that oh, yeah. reminds me a lot of Jumpgate, but it is indeed a, a top-down 2D game. Uh, you, well, there's also if we could get you working with Crunchy Leaf, and then you guys come out with with Jumpgate 3030, oh, and <laughs> that man. would be a beautiful thing. That'd be amazing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've played uh, 3030 Space War, but it's a divine game. So I have not top uh, down top down called, RPG. Yeah, the full uh, name is the game thirty thirty game privateer wanted to be. It's called thirty thirty Death War Redu R E D U X, mm-hmm. and it's really a v- excellent top down space game. Like really one of the best. Um, so if you're angling for a new top down space game, that'd be the one to get. But let's move on. Let's move away from Jumpgate a bit and talk about what you're working on now because you're in charge of a company called. W worm with a Y worm bites. Yes. Yes. And, and you're making a game called night marchers. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Tell us about that. So it's the same thing. It's like, I, I really, again, I like the idea of making a difference in the game world and changing the world you play in. Um, and I'm also a big post post apocalyptic sort of nut. Um, Wasteland is one of my favorite games ever <laughs> and then fallout and all the new fallouts and stuff too. But like, I just love that genre. That's why I did auto assault. Um, and I've been thinking for, uh, for a while about like how, you know, post-apocalyptic is always like Mad Max. It's like Brown and dusty and dead. And I'm like, what if instead it was like paradise? <laughs> and so I was like, well, I, I think Hawaii is the most beautiful place in the world and no one's ever really done a Hawaii game, which is surprising to me. Um, And so I was like, well, maybe there's something here. And so it was a game that we were just sort of like, you know, you'd, we'd go to lunch at work and we'd brainstorm it a little bit and someone would be like, Hey, what about this? And so over a number of months, like it started to come together. It was like, man, there's a story here and there's like something we could actually do here. And so um, at the start of uh, 2017, we stopped all of our outsource work, like working on star citizen and everything else. And we just said, let's make our own game again. Like let's, let's go do this. But instead of multiplayer and online, like let's do a cool single player story. That's like super heavy on, player choice changes the world. And so that's what we did. That's kind of the background on night marchers. And so we've been researching Hawaii and building some stuff. And again, we're a tiny team building an open world game, which is usually like a, it's like a 40 or 400 person team kind of game, (laughs) you know, like fallout or oblivion or Skyrim or, you know, 
et cetera. And so here, you know, so we've been taking a lot of our ideas about how to build content faster and building a lot of tools. And we've been building this game. And um, recently I've started to actually meet um, native Hawaiians and sort of talk to them about our story. And we've been getting more and more of them involved. And so now our storyline is becoming much more like authentic Hawaii, which is really cool. Um, and we're sort of trying to lock down a publisher and try to go from just a handful of us building it to a little bit bigger team and 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 ship it. But that's that's kind of what we're working on right now. So the website says you can tap into the spirit world. Is that going to be like magic in the game? Yeah. So um, in in Hawaiian lore, there are certain people that can see spirits. And one of the ways that, that that you can become one of those people is to have your spirit leave your body, but then be sort of brought back to life again. And so that's the that's how the game starts. You're actually killed and uh, you're brought back to life by your your spirit guide and he starts teaching you. And the idea is that you're you're a you're a native Hawaiian, but you didn't really believe any of this stuff you'd never seen spirits and you're like, whatever, they're just stories. Right. And now you're like seeing it all for the first time. So what's kind of fun is like the, the protagonist of the story and you, the, the player are sort of learning Hawaiian lore kind of together. And so you're going through and you're rebuilding this Island. And then you have to kind of choose like, how do you want to rebuild the Island? And what's funny is our bad guys are TRI. (laughs) 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 Just the only joke people would get, but they're like a science, the scientist faction on the Uh, islands. Right. They had that enforcer ship that I wanted to fly so badly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, That was fun. That was always us. Uh, I, I know. I like. Oh, I want one of those. But we never had it. Um, so that sounds like a lot of fun. And again, I have to say thank you for making something that's single player. <laughs> thank you very much, because I love a good single player game. So I have to. Yeah. Well, I love. I like games where I can leave a mark. It's why I like like I like Bioware stuff and I like Bethesda stuff. Like I like stuff where I get to like have some say in the story. Yeah, it's a lot harder to do that with multiplayer. It's a lot harder to do and that. And it is. And it's only a couple people have done it well. I I, I always felt like uh, KOTOR did a really good job, or I guess Botor is the online one, of like allowing me to make my own choices in the story, but still being multiplayer. I thought those guys did a really great job. Oh, interesting. I don't know if uh, you ever played it, but... I've played a little of it. Oh, we have another question from the um, uh, from the audience. Uh, apparently, this person has been learning the Unreal Engine to uh, for a game they are envisioning based on Asheron's Call. Did I? And they want to know if Asheron's Call ever influenced your, any of your design decisions. Um, I didn't play a lot of Asheron's Call, but. Um the executive producer on auto assault is a guy named Jeremy Gaffney who wrote probably 90% of the code of the original Ashron's call. Holy crap. So he always had all kinds of cool insights and ideas to help us as we were building auto assault. So he's, he certainly was an influence um, sort of indirectly, but I didn't play a lot of it. I know that it had like, you could build your own cities, which was kind of cool. 
again, it was still, yeah, very player oriented, which I think is, as I said, like that seems like that was like an old MMO thing. And then like new MMOs kind of all copied EverQuest and they were just like straight storylines and leveling and you just played through the story and no one really copied Ultima Online. You know what I mean? Yeah, everyone's yeah, kind of like Ultima. Ultima did it in the Wild West and then Sony did it with so much success that it became safe money. And, like, then yeah. wow, and, and as and soon then as you wow get safe it. money, then it's and trouble. Then, and then WoW did it, yeah. and it was off to the races after that. Then everyone really wanted to do it. Yeah, uh, and yeah, and so it's like you know, the kind of like. But I mean, what's cool is at least like like WoW is starting to get some of these things in now, right? Where like in WoW, after you do something in a map, the map changes, and so at least you start to feel that you're making a difference in the game. Like they're starting to incorporate some of that stuff, which I think is cool. Yeah, apparently there was a cataclysm of some type, and uh, apparently uh, so many people still play that, which is just amazing to me. Like it's been running for well over a decade. That's just great. I, well, I still play it. I think I it's. Be- I think it's become a social platform. So that's <laughs> like this is where all my friends are because a new hot game will come out. People will jump over there, play it for a while, but then it's like, well, I'm going to go back to WoW because that's where all my friends are. So that's what I do. I play WoW for like five, four or five months when a new content comes out, you know, get to know everyone in the guild again and chat and play and have a bunch of fun doing the new stuff. And then when it gets sort of grindy at the end, I just quit. And then I come back the next time new stuff comes out. I have to say, you bring up the uh, word grindy and this is something we've talked about. Jumpgate to me never felt overtly grindy. Did did you consciously try to avoid that? Or is that something that just happened as a part of the design? So we did, but I feel like we failed. Like I felt like our missions were terrible and it's something that always really bothered me because I feel like what happened was people would be like, okay, the way to make XP the fastest is to do this, you know, do a transport run from this station to this station. And then they would just sit and fly back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And it was just like, uh, I have so many ideas of how you could do that better. And it could be again, more dependent on what's going on in the game. You well, know, that's the thing you run into MMO wise anyway, though, is like you could put a ton of content in there, but the players will find the one thing that makes dollar per minute, the fastest, right. and yep. then they'll just grind that. And then they yep. bitch like this game's so grindy. And it's like, no, we put all this variety in there. Right. It just doesn't happen to pay in the 90th percentile. So, right. Absolutely. But see, I think the way around that is to make the content even more game driven, right? So that like, you know, like the, the, the missions you were describing in um, elite, like don't ever have that and only have stuff based on what's going on. And so, you know, if water runs from this station to this station is the best run, but that station doesn't need water anymore, they go. And so you kind of naturally get, you sort of break that by, okay, it's the best run, but once a few people do it, it's over. And now it's not a valuable run anymore. And so when you log on, you don't, every day might be a different best thing to do based on, you know, if no one's flying escorts, then maybe escorts are paying more because there's no one's doing it. And so if you could fluctuate the payouts, then I think I could break that. Anyway, it's just something I think about a lot. (laughs) 
Man, I, w- I really wish you could make a new jump gate because your all your ideas for this for the for for a new one sound like I especially love the license system. I ah, uh, that sounds so great. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I I could tell you that I I'm I've, I'm thinking about it a lot lately. <laughs> like, oh, really? what would I do? How would it work? But I oh. have to believe there's like a spot for it. Like. There's you know, how, how would we stand out from because you've got elite, which is the massive, huge space exploration but MMO, too, and you've got you've got big. Star Citizen, which is like I don't even know if there's such a thing, but it's like the quadruple A. It'll never be finished. You know what I It'll mean? Never be finished. Space. It'll never be finished. Okay. I've, I've got it. Battle Royale. A hundred no, spaceships no, parachute no, onto no, an island. No, no, and then no. Please God. Well, it would tie into the Hawaii thing because Hawaii is an <laughs> island, and then please God, I I could run a tiki bar, a post-apocalyptic tiki bar that would serve spirits. We're going to tie them all together. The, the spirits on the yeah. See, I, I think I think there is a space for it because people get burnt out quickly by by elite. Star Citizen is not. I mean, Star Citizen is nowhere near done. Uh, and I think if. You pretty jump gate up and made the systems better, but still kept it like as social and open as it as it originally was. There is, I think people would come to it. I honestly do. Well, I, I think I do too, and I think that um, I just I want to make sure that we've really thought about like, you know, what's our what's our vision? What are our design pillars? Like, what are the things that like like thinking about the old game i've been thinking about this a lot like okay what made the old jump gate special right and i think it's like the flight engine is probably the first thing most people say and so it's like all right you got to capture that flight engine again um but then the next thing is like i think to me it was all about players building the universe at least that's what it was about to me that like i felt like i was serving a purpose like i wasn't just running empty missions that infinitely generate from a random mission generator it's like no no it's like this station needs water and so here's a mission to take water to them because they actually need it right now and why do they need water well because some other station needs hydro plants that are built from synthetics and water and copper and something else right and so like it's all real and it's all being asked for and so my role matters and so like that that to me is like the biggest point i guess of the game that that i've been trying to think about a lot of like okay so how would you make a modern game like that where it you, it matters and so we've been we've been messing around with it like starting to fool around with some ideas and stuff it's only in the like does this make sense phase of thinking but like i'm thinking about it for sure mm, well uh if if you ever actually start to make the thing we would love to have you back on because oh my god that would that would be like the high point of my life seriously <laughs> well i mean to be honest what i what i would want is i would want as many jump gate players involved as 
early as possible yeah. <laughs> to make sure that we're not being, you know, cause when you're a developer and you're sitting in a room and you're like, oh, I've got this great idea. And then we all drink the Kool-Aid and you spend a month building it and you release it. And everyone's like, well, that's the worst idea you ever had. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so like having, having more players who sort of get what we're trying to do early involved with the project is, mm. is how we would approach it. Well, if you if you do think about it, oh my god, that'd be amazing. Okay, but, but we should start wrapping it up because I'm getting really hungry and losing my mind. So, okay. uh, uh, Scott, I want to thank you so much for coming on, being so uh, forthcoming about Jumpgate successes and not successes. Because um, I mean, I love the game, but it's also great to hear developers talk about the actual process of developing. So it's 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 always fascinating to hear what go how the sausage is made. We love that. Um, so thank you very yeah, much. I'm glad to share. <laughs> it was it was a labor of love. I'll tell you that. So folks, if you are interested in what we've been talking about, there's actually a not really legal but emulated version of Jumpgate running out there right now. It is totally free. It is at jumpgate-tri.org. We don't know who's running it. We think some people in Russia. We're not sure. Uh, we've never, Magic. We've never, yeah, we've never really been clear. Hobbits. We've never really been dwarves. We've never really been clear as to who's running it, but someone is. And it runs great. It runs on, a, on, a, it runs on nothing. Like, it runs on a potato. You can run it on anything. Uh, yeah. Right out of the box. Uh, it's a really fantastic flight engine great actual game you should definitely check it out um if you're interested there are several videos on the youtube channel showing uh how everything works and whatnot uh if you want to get a look see and how everything how everything flies but it's really just a special game that deserves to be played and if we had more players more people would it's kind it's kind of a catch-22 it needs more people to get more people you know so if more people were playing it, I think more people would play it. Like, I would start playing it more if there are more people to talk to while I was playing it. So Yeah, it's hard. The learning curve is tough. Yeah, it's tough. So be prepared. You know, you know what would make it happen is if you could play it on mobile, like on your phone, and, uh, and it was, like, free to play somehow. I don't know how you and, do and that. I think that would be your player base adoption. I, I, I guess... Uh, I guess uh, I guess if Vendetta can do it with their virtual joystick and whatnot, or their exactly. tilt controls, uh, which I've I've not I've not liked either. I've tried both, and it just yeah. does not feel right. Well, um, I was playing Vendetta on my on my TV because I got I bought one of those Shield TVs, uh, so I'm sitting like? out there with a the gamepad in the living room playing it. Well, it's just like playing it on the PC at that point. Mm. Right. Well, that's cool. My living room. It, it feels like I'm getting away with something naughty. So, yeah, well, I mean, that's something that, like, I don't know that you could port the old game, but um, you could certainly, you could certainly, if I'm, if I'm going to make a new one, I think one of the things we would do is it would run on everything. Yeah. Because again, space games can, we don't have terrain and we don't have all this other stuff and, most of the objects are so far away. They're at like a low LOD anyway, all the time. And so like, right. 
I was to do it, it would run on everything like phones, consoles, every VR, you know, PC, <laughs> Mac, Linux, like run on everything. Cause why not? Why not? Exactly. Right. Why Game engines not? now run on everything. So I don't, I don't have to do all that work. Right. Like right. unreal already works on phones and so does unity. You know, this, yeah. Either of those, stuff. you could run it on a switch. You could run it on. I mean, it runs on everything. So why not? Oh, God. Right? This would be yeah. my take. I would, if, so if, if Jumpgate came out for the Switch, I'd buy a Switch today. <laughs> like, I would be going to Amazon right now and buying a Switch. No oh, yeah. like question. If, if, why not, right? Exactly. Like, why that has not? two joysticks. It has the controls. It has a nice screen. It's way more than powerful enough to do something that looks really good. Like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's something I'm thinking about, too, is, like, I think that's another way we could be different and like stand out from the other space games is we would be the game that runs on everything. Like every, if the platform runs games, it like the new version of jump gate would run on it <laughs> would be our approach anyway. Now that sounds, I just found out some Tilton in uh, our chat just told me that they're porting Everspace to the switch. So, um, hey, wow. You should. Yeah, you should. I mean, the switch is, is it as powerful as a, it's like an Xbox one that runs no. 4k. No, but it doesn't need to be, no, it doesn't you know, need to be. I, I think it runs like 720 when you're running it handheld. Or yeah. It, it drops and the res so, down to, to keep the frame rates and yeah, stuff, and but, so, it, but it goes 1080 whenever you hook it to a TV. But right. So you could, are you, are you familiar with the Nvidia shield tablet? Yeah. The, the lasted. Okay. So that had a K one in it and the X one, which is in the, uh, the shield TV version is exactly what's in a switch. So uh, it, it, if you, if you've messed around with a shield tablet, it is the same thing. Oh. Yeah. So we could run on shields and then, oh, you know, man. like if you had an iPad or like one of the big Samsung pads, like those are incredible screens and like modern phones are very powerful. <laughs> I know. Right. Oh my God. So super, you know, and so you would be easy to do, um, like phone support too. And like you Plus could your, even do something like load was so low because you were built for modems. Right. So you're not going to eat up somebody's data plan against and space I, game. Know, so it doesn't need terrain. It doesn't need a sky, you know? Yeah. Yep. Oh my God. Oh, so many ideas. Make it happen, please. Uh, <laughs> sure. I'll just, I'll just snap the fingers and we're done. <laughs> I will, I will back whatever Kickstarter you launch for this, whatever it is, I will be a backer. You, no all right, sounds good at all, uh, and and there is a hunger for this. Like I don't know if you saw the Starflight three um, campaign that's going on right now, but it's up to ninety thousand, and it hasn't even gone oh. full. It hasn't even gone full public yet, which is amazing. I love that game. That's the first PC game I ever played. Me too. Oh my god! First DOS that got me PC off game. the Apple II and onto the PC was Starflight. Like oh. I loved that game. For me, it was the TRS eighty. That's what got me off the TRS-80 to the uh, to DOS, and God, yes. And it, I'm so excited about it. So, yeah, there is a hunger for these types of games, you know? So, I, please make it happen. Anyway, folks, <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. And again, Scott, thank you uh, so much for joining us. Uh, yeah. I apologize that last week's the, – the podcast from two weeks ago – Hasn't gone out yet for the MP3. I was on vacation. I've just been really busy. So it should go up sometime this week. Probably around the same time this will go up in MP3 form. Uh, so a couple of quick programming notes before we wrap up. Uh, this, week, this month we are starting, we're calling it the month of Borderlands. 
where every Thursday night we are going to be playing Borderlands 2 this month because we want to get through it because uh, there are other games we want to play. We're not not enjoying Borderlands 2. It's just we realize if we only play it once a month, it's going to be like Star Citizen might come out. Years. Star Citizen <laughs> might come out before we finish. So, <laughs> so uh, maybe. So, yeah, we're going to try and plow through a bunch of it this month. Um, and then next week for the podcast, we're still working on a topic for that one. Um, so hopefully we'll have something great, well, or at least something entertaining, <laughs> if not great. Oh, just a quick note. For those wondering about uh, EDF and returning to that, that will be next month. Yeah, we're so, returning to that next month. So episode two will be at the end of next month. Yeah, that'll be in September. Uh, so uh, we're still playing EDF. We're still farming. Uh, we're still playing it. That, that's a great thing about EDF is you can play it uh, either single player or just online by yourself and farm armor and equipment as the day is long. So we'll be doing that over the next that's month. So, so next, next time we play, we'll have more toys because that's what that game is about. All the toys to kill the bugs. <laughs> so great. So everyone, uh, Scott, again, thank you so much for joining us. This has been amazing. And uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening and watching, and we will see you next time. Have a great night. Bye-bye. Bye.